Hello and welcome back to another Monday night edition of the Wolverine.com live show here on our YouTube channel and for our friends listening after the fact in their podcast feeds. Uh, here with you every Monday night, as we always are, is our myself, Anthony Broom, uh, Clayton Safey, Chris Ballas. A lot to get to today. We'll talk about some of the transfer portal stuff with the basketball program. Caleb Love uh, appears to be joining the program. Uh, a couple other guys, Trey Jackson, Amari Burnett were the other additions. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll hit on, I do have a football question for the guys that I have not presented to them yet. So interested to get their thoughts on that. And uh, we should have some time at the end of the show for your questions. So if you want to get in line for that, uh, feel free to drop your questions. If you want to move your questions to the front of the line, use uh, the donate feature below and we'll get you in there. But every week uh, when we do our Monday night show, of course, we are brought to you by our friends over at Vitamin Energy. Vitamin Energy is a powerful, naturally caffeinated energy shop that nourishes your body with vitamins, supports healthy weight loss, and boosts energy for seven plus hours with no jitters or sugar crash. And you can see on the screen below, you can buy one, get one free at vitaminenergy.com using the promo code WolverineBogo. I think we lost you, Anthony. Yeah, I can't hear him either. Lost your volume. I think you muted yourself. Anytime that can happen during a live read, you just got to do it. Um, I guess the way to bring it all full circle is that Vitamin energy makes me speechless. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he didn't plan that either, folks. That was a great uh, statement. Uh, yeah. Gotta love some tech issues. Uh, yeah, used one earlier today, uh, coming off of uh, not a physical hangover, but just like the mental hangover of a Easter weekend. It's naturally caffeinated, gluten-free, vegan-free, kosher certified, and keto-friendly, zero sugars and artificial flavors, no jitters, no crash, supports gut health. There's plenty of options for you to go through. So go check out vitaminenergy.com. Use promo code WolverineBOGO to buy one and get one free. And that is at the bottom of the screen uh, for you guys throughout the show to go back and reference. So now that we've got that all settled and taken care of, Caleb Love, a former North Carolina guard, a high usage player, one of the, uh, again, probably the best pure scorer that's in the transfer portal. Committed to Michigan on Friday. I won't say it was out of nowhere. There were a couple days of lead up where we heard he had visited. We had heard that Michigan was one of the finalists, but it looks like he's coming. And for Michigan, it is a it gives them a different type of star to build around for next year. Uh, Hunter Dickinson obviously out the door. There's not you know they lose most of their scoring from last season. So, uh, fellas, your thoughts on the addition? And right now they're full on scholarships with Caleb Love with Trey Jackson with Namari Burnett in the fold, uh, pending anything else happening attrition-wise. So uh, just thoughts on Caleb Love and, and the fit in general. Uh, a couple things. Let's, I, you know, I'm anxious to see, you know, what happens with Hunter Dickinson uh, because he hasn't announced anywhere yet. You know, the rumors that we had heard, the rumblings before he even went into the portal where his coach was going to be an assistant coach, his high school coach was going to be an assistant coach somewhere and keep an eye on where he ends up. So he ends up at Maryland. And then all of a sudden, Hunter Dickinson's in the transfer portal. So uh, quite the coincidence. So if he does end up somewhere else, I think that could very well be where it is. At the same time, uh, you know what? I wouldn't rule out completely a return to Michigan. There's some rumblings that, hey, you know, with Caleb Love coming in and Doug McDaniel coming back, Namari Burnett, who I think is going to be a great addition. Namari Burnett is a great defensive player. I think I read some of Clayton's stuff on that. Uh, might have been Anthony's stuff, but it was, um, you know what? 
that's what that's what they need too. They need a they need program guys like that as well. So I don't think Caleb Caleb Love qualifies as that. I think he qualifies as somebody who can provide some immediately immediate scoring help and making it all gel though in a system, you know, that's pretty complicated. Juwan Howard's offense, you know, everybody talks about, well, you know, they're throwing the ball. No, no, this is, this, this is a complicated system and he runs some great stuff. So can you get all these guys playing together uh, would be the big question mark for me. So we have not, haven't seen the last in my opinion of what's uh, to happen in the Michigan transfer portal exploits, I guess is one way to put it. So um, we'll keep an eye on it. So, but it's a risk. I, I don't think North Carolina wanted him back. Uh, that's pretty interesting in itself. So, but he is talented. There's no question about that. And we saw a couple of years ago what he did in the NCAA tournament. So we'll keep an eye on this, guys. Uh, but I would say log into the Wolverine.com every day because uh, it's going to be interesting here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and there's still a lot of time left in the transfer portal. I mean, it's open till what, mid-May? Uh, so you could see guys leave. You could see more guys come. From a Michigan standpoint, they're full on scholarships now, but there are always – I mean, everything has a way of working itself out. I think we talked about it a few weeks ago dating back to Jawan Howard's first season when they bring back Austin Davis and, uh, you know, before the end of the season, it was announced he's going to come back for another year. And everyone's like, where are they getting the scholarships? And then you get two, three uh, or whatever it was transfers out. Um, you know, you kind of figure things out, piece things together. And there you have it. You have usually have more than enough guys. So things are, you know, probably still going to happen here. I think Caleb Love is a, a really nice pickup for Michigan. They need scoring. Caleb Love provides scoring. It is a little bit of a risk uh, in that he does have questionable sh- shot selection, which is you know one of the bigger knocks on him coming out of North Carolina, especially this past season when his efficiency was down, but his shooting numbers in terms of volume stayed just about the same. He missed on average, missed, not attempted, nine and a half shots a game last year from the field for North Carolina, tied for the 11th most in the country. So uh, he's going to take a lot of shots. He could shoot you. To a victory, he could shoot you out of a game. Uh, that's kind of what what it's going to be, it, it feels like. But sometimes change of scenery can be good for a guy. Uh, I think that would probably be the case here with Caleb Love. Things were not going well last year mm-hmm. at North Carolina. And from everything we have picked up, he didn't really have the option to return, nor did he want to. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how, how it went. You had guys like Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis. They decided to stay, and it was Caleb Love who was going to move on. But um, – you know, I, I think that from an offensive standpoint, this is this is a really good pickup. And then you piece the other guys together, Namari Burnett. Uh, I agree. I think he's going to really help on the defensive end. I think Trey Jackson is an underrated pickup. A lot of people were kind of complaining about it early on, but uh, I think he brings athleticism. He brings uh, some experience to the fold here. He can shoot from the four position. Uh, he had similar numbers to what Michigan was getting out of its four last season in less minutes. Uh, and in in much more efficient way. Um, so we'll see what comes of his next step as he you know would potentially earn more minutes at Michigan. But so far, so good. I think for Jawan Howard, they've been really active in the portal. They're the only team in the country with three transfer portal commitments. Uh, just showing how how proactive Michigan has been. And if Hunter Dickinson somehow stunned and, and decided to come back. Um, then you're looking at a, a roster that you would feel pretty pretty damn good about, but uh, would be interested to see what happens there and, and what else Michigan's able to do with its roster. Yeah, a couple of people in the comments asking about, is Hunter Dickinson coming back? Is there room for him? As of now, uh, Michigan is at 13 scholarships for next year now. 
let's call it like it is. If there was room for a player like that, room will be made somewhere. There would be some kind of move oh, yeah. um, that would allow that to happen. But as of right now, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'm still, I'm still buying the idea that he won't be in a Michigan uniform, but until he announces and, you know, Lent is over now. So I'm waiting for a social media explanation or some kind of update on what's going on from his end. But uh, his is a national recruitment too. So, I mean, you've got schools as far ranging as uh, Gonzaga, you know, reaching out to him. So I'm sure it's been a lot to uh, to parse through. Uh, as far as Caleb Love goes, uh, Clayton, I think you'd hit the nail on the head. He's a guy that will either shoot you shoot his way to a victory or shoot you in the foot because you know of an ill advised shot. And, and you know, in some of the research I've done on him and you know, just watching him play, he seems like the type of guy where if you could get him to just be a little bit smarter, you know, attempt a shot or two less per game and maybe have an assist more per game. You might really have something there. And I still think they can have something there, especially on a roster that doesn't have a lot of proven scores. Now he's a high usage guy. I mean, anyone that got upset about, you know, the way that Jet Howard would dribble the basketball uh, long in a, in a possession and, you know, kind of go after his shot. Uh, Caleb Love is probably going to drive you nuts. He's a play, you know, he's a very polarizing guy, but, you know, I think it's a gamble you had to take. And if you can get him to buy in and, um, you know, be someone who can work within the confines of that system, I think it could be a pretty good addition here. As we have a 999 super chat from Nick, he says, Caleb Love could work Will and Juwan's pick and roll offense if he buys into the system and not being the offense all the time. More importantly, though, Juwan needs to go get, needs to get these guys to buy in defensively. Nick, I agree, and that's where I was going to springboard into this next spot. I mean, uh, Namari Burnett to me is again he's not he's not Chandy Brown. Uh, he hasn't had that type of production. He hasn't been on the court as much as Chandy Brown was before coming to Michigan. But he, you look at his makeup, you look at the wingspan, you just look at how he's performed. You know, he played for a couple teams, a Texas Tech team that uh, under Chris Beard always played tough defense, and this year's Alabama team. Uh, was one of the better defensive teams in the country. So, you know, the aptitude is there from him. The buy-in is there. Um, you know, you need a guy to kind of set a tone on that end of the floor. And I think to me, in a lot of ways, I think that makes him the most impactful transfer they've landed so far. Now, in an ideal world, maybe some of the other guys on your roster, like a Yusef Kayat, like, uh, you know, think of there aren't many young wings on the roster, but if someone else develops, maybe Namari Burnett is your sixth or seventh guy off the bench at worst, but I think that he's going to, you know, guys like that, we saw to a lesser extent with Kobe Bufkin this year, you know, some guys just get better when they play more minutes and you accelerate that development. And I think he's a candidate for that. I agree with that 100%. And I think he's a good basketball player. I think he's a great kid. I remember talking to him and his father during the recruiting process the first time and thinking, okay, this guy uh, really has something. So, and watching his film though, too, he can get to the rim. You know, he's big and strong. He can get to the rim. So that's two more that you're adding with him and love. Uh, again, to me, the key is putting all these pieces together, fellas. It's not, you can look at a roster and you can say, oh, that's a pretty damn good roster. But you know what? It, you don't play the games on paper. It's all about how these pieces mesh. And so, uh, you know, I, I know M Hoops won on our board, Jeff Schiller. He said, I wonder how Hunter and Caleb would mesh together, you know, if they were to play together. And I think that's something to watch, um, but certainly would have talent, but a coach's job is to make it work. Uh, that's something they did not do last year with two 
NBA first round draft picks, Hunter Dickinson, a point guard and Doug McDaniel, who was really playing pretty well at the end of the Big Ten season and a couple of other pieces. Of course, he had a big hole at the four there. So really hopeful on Trey Jackson. Um, you know, I, I it just it makes you wonder why he didn't play more at Seton Hall. And, um, you know, the kid had games where he was five for five from three point range. But I think the turnover numbers and I think there were a couple things. It was turnovers and, and one other thing. I don't know if it was defense that were uh, eye opening um, in terms of negatives, but maybe you coach it out of them. So but let's see what happens, guys. Um, you know what? You had no really no choice but to roll the dice when you lost Buffkin. And, and Jet Howard, to, to me, was, you know, I think that was a necessary move. So uh, let's see what happens. A couple things. I'm looking at Trey Jackson's turnover rate. It's actually one of the lower in terms of on the on Seton Hall last year in terms of guys who played. But something on on uh, Caleb Love too. I was reading a piece from the Athletic that was really good, and it kind of went through all the struggles of Hubert Davis and UNC last year. And Caleb Love's shot selection kind of came up, and his dad was quoted in the piece and brought up this point. Of course, his dad is biased, right? But his dad brings up that, yeah, you know, Caleb didn't quite have the numbers he wanted, and he wants to change that, you know, wherever he goes next, which ended up being Michigan. Um, but at the same time, when they needed a guy at the end of the shot clock or they needed a guy to take a shot as well, he was always there ready to take it. And by the way, Caleb Love can get about every shot that you want on the floor, which is really valuable. Sometimes it's valuable to have a guy who can get inefficient shots and make inefficient shots because you're going to be in those scenarios sometimes. You don't want to be. You want to get your, you know, your, you want your first action to lead to a layup or an open three, right? But it's not always going to happen. So I think that skews the data a little bit as well. I'll say this too about about going back to Trey Jackson, uh, looking into Seton Hall. I, I'm pretty sure um, Shaheen Holloway brought um, their foreman from um, St. Peter's last year as well. So I think that could have played into it. Um, in terms of bringing in a guy from a transfer portal, and he was a leftover from Kevin Willard. So, um, he, you know, is he going to be Terrence Williams, where when the minutes go up, all the efficiency numbers go down? I don't know. Um, he could be, or he could be a guy that is now, you know, old enough, experienced, you know, has, uh, you know, played a lot of college basketball, maybe not quite the minutes per game that you would want, but been around for a long time. Maybe then, you know, he takes that next step. I'll say this too about, the Michigan roster, when we look at it, they're bringing in guys that have played a lot of college basketball and been around a lot of college basketball. I think Jawan Howard realized this past season, you look at all the teams that did well in the tournament, the teams that made the tournament, it was experienced teams, especially with now this COVID year still hanging around where guys are able to come back. He wanted to change that, and Michigan's roster is going to be a hell of a lot older this coming season than it was last year. It's a good point. Yeah, and I think that's an asset for them, especially yeah. when you look at, like you said, how experienced a lot of those NCAA tournament teams were. A uh, guy like Caleb Love, I believe with the COVID year, could technically have two years of eligibility left. Namari Burnett, because he had the COVID year and a medical red shirt, could have, have as many as three years of eligibility left. So, um, you know, these are elder statesmen that you're bringing onto the roster. Now, again, ideally, uh, and again, I guess this isn't exactly a one-to-one -one comparison, but maybe they pop off and they go to the NBA after this year. And um, I would think that would mean tournament success, but Michigan's going to have two first round picks this year and will not have made the tournament. So it's not, you know, a direct barometer for success, but um, Trey Jackson, I think that one was interesting because one, it was another Jawan Howard addition that kind of came out of nowhere. That wasn't someone we had 
on our transfer board. It wasn't something that, uh, you know, when you look at some of the other fours in the portal or, you know, these forward center combos um, probably wouldn't been what wouldn't have been tops on my list, but adding someone there was going to absolutely be critical. Um, if nothing else that, Maybe he just lights a fire under a Terrence Williams or a Will Cheddar. They, I think they averaged like 6.5 points per game between the two of them this year or 8.5 points per game, whatever it was, wasn't good enough. And with a guy like Jackson, I mean, he, you know, he had the good game at Chrysler. Uh, I think it was last season when Seton Hall came into town. Again, it's one game. You're not putting too much stock into that, but uh, also a guy that, you know, shoots respectably from three point range. Uh, he's tall enough to where he can maybe play a small ball five in your, in your lineup in certain combinations though. Everything I've read is that he kind of struggled in that role at Seton hall. So we'll see what happens there with that. But um, you know, when I look at this roster now in general, uh, it's good that you have a score now in Caleb love. I, I still think you need, you know, probably two or three guys to step up in that area. But when you look at the ceiling of this team in general, you know, I think the additions that they've made have raised the floor. Like, I don't think this is a team now, if these are the pieces that they're going into the year with, that you're looking at being, oh, God, can they stay out of the basement uh, with, you know, Nebraska and Minnesota? I think they're still probably mid-tier with this roster, but their ceiling is going to be determined by guys like Yusef Kayat and how Doug McDaniel comes along and Terrace Reed. Uh, in a bigger role and some of those other pieces too. So how do you guys feel about the totality of it right now? Uh, I feel like we don't know what it is yet because I think there are still some more moving pieces. I think there are guys that, um, you know, you never count, you never count somebody uh, against your scholarship limit until they're signed, until they're here, until you see them on the roster. So let's see what happens there. Um, first of all, and then, you know, guys may be on the way out as well. So um, that's number one. Number two, I, you know, until it's just so hard to say, it's like, everybody keeps asking us what, what is the starting lineup going to be next year? And it's like, man, it's hard to say because we've seen so many guys in year two, right. That have made the leap last year. People were wondering if Kobe Buffkin could play at this level. And now he's a first round pick and potentially a lottery pick. So, you know, everybody who's written off guys like Will Cheddar and yeah, I get it. He struggled. He shouldn't have been playing yet. He needs to get stronger. No, he did not look like a Big Ten player this year, but I can't tell you the number of guys that I watched play for Wisconsin in year one and or in a you know spot minutes in year two that by year three and four were outstanding players for them. So uh, I think Will Cheddar can be a good piece of a a solid piece of a good basketball team. Yet I'm not ready to write him off. I'm not ready to say that Terrence Williams can't provide anything. He had a terrible season, uh, period, end of story. But last year, he started making some threes, and he had some games that, without him, they don't win. Tennessee being one, Michigan State being another. So I think it's very premature to write some of these other guys off, and Yusef Kayat, too. Um, I think he's got some skills as well. So, But to try to, to guess who the starting lineup is going to be outside of, say, Doug McDaniel, Caleb Love, and Hunter Dickinson if he were to come back, to me is a futile exercise. So, but I am happy for them that they have some pieces Uh, to me. I'm, I've always been a program guy, guys. Like when I look at teams like, um, you know, that have had pieces together, veteran teams, you know, call me a beeline disciple or whatever. Uh, Even though he didn't get to experience it as much either because he was too good a developer of talent. Those teams that are together for so long that man, they just know how to play it. I'll use Quinnipiac hockey 
as, uh, you know, what evidence of that, what they did against Michigan and Minnesota, a uh, different sport, but I think the same thing applies. When you get guys like that that play together for a long time, at the same time, it's a different era. So I think they did what they had to do. Time will tell if they were good moves. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, we, we still got to see exactly what this roster is, and you both brought it up, A-B first, C-B in a different perspective, is – let's wait and see what some of these guys do in terms of development. I mean, that's the missing piece here like where you kind of count all these guys out and you're only relying on the transfers in your head when you're starting to project out what this is going to look like in, in the winter. I mean, I would, to do the feudal ex- exercise right now, I would probably pencil in Doug McDaniel, Caleb Love, Namari Burnett, Trey Jackson, and Terrace Reed Jr. Um, but – is a Yusef going to come on? Is Hunter going to come back? I mean, there's so many moving pieces still to sort out. So, but but I feel a lot better about this Michigan roster, quote unquote, right? That's that's in, written in pencil than I did a couple weeks ago. It's a credit to the, to the Michigan staff for what they've done so far, and you know we'll we'll see how it shapes out. But I, I feel like there could be a path to this team being competitive. I don't think they're they're in that basement with the Minnesota. Um, I, I think they're well above that. I think that this team could make the tournament. And with a guy like, like Caleb Love, I know he had other talent around him, Brady Manick, all, all those guys on that North Carolina team. But, you know, you, you just never know uh, how far you could go. So want to see what it looks like at, at the final. Uh, I want to see how these guys develop. But, um, you know, I think Michigan's done what it's had to do. It, unfortunately, Kobe Buff can develop faster than they thought he would. Unfortunately, you know, and fortunately for these guys, I wish them all the best, right? But in terms of the roster, Jet Howard, you know, ends up being a one and done. Your star center, two-time first-team All-Big Ten, one of 11 in program history, uh, and an unprecedented move decides to move on, so uh, or at least potentially. So, uh, you know, they've had to, to kind of play from behind here, but I think they've done a pretty good job of catching up. Yeah, I think – the most important thing isn't even, I mean, you do have to have talented players. Like that's a prerequisite, but it's a team that's had, you know, they were the preseason, what top three, top five team last year, this year, I think from a a talent composite perspective, they were top 15 ish. Um, They got to develop some kind of identity and they have to simply be coached better. I mean, it's not uh, Juwan Howard knows that he said that at the end of the NIT, you look at the lineup that they would probably try out there. Uh, if the season started today, which, I mean, it starts, what, seven months from now. So, again, another futile exercise. Um, I do think it would be better than what they threw out there in the NIT. But, it, you know, that, that 2021 class ranked fifth. 2022, you brought in a group of guys that ranked 10th. You know, and you still they, – they just have to be coached better. And I think they need the right guys. They need guys to buy in like members of those first two – or of that second Juwan Howard team did – um, the first team to an extent, but uh, you do need some program guys too, uh, because even before the transfer portal, uh, the the one and done teams weren't all you know. Very rarely were the the team full of one and dones, the ones that you know made a run. It was still the Villanovas that had veteran players, and um, you know Kansas always has the guys that stick around. So uh, we'll see what happens there. I guess is there anything else to ad- address with this this team and this program? I mean. I'm, there could still be I – mean, this could date itself before before the night is over. Like, that's just yeah. how the college basketball offseason goes. But what else is there to – what's next on the checklist for them, I guess? Yeah, I think that's it. And, you know, finding another – you know, with Joey Baker not coming back, you know, maybe finding another backup wing, you know, maybe one of these guys – 
uh, pans out and, and can be that guy as well. Joey Baker was not going to be a 30 minute, 35 minute guy on a, on a really good team. He was going to be that guy that can come off the bench and you know what leads you to a big win over Toledo. Uh, so um, big, huge win. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Clay was in his glory down there. <laughs> We're on the court, baby. It was fun. I'm it, not was, it wasn't fun. It was fun. He pulled, a, he pulled a clipboard out of his backpack. I saw it. It was so depressing uh, when they lost to Vanderbilt because Clay was uh, Clay was planning on being down there again at courtside and uh, you know what and celebrating another NIT game. But hey, you know what? It is what it is. I'm looking forward to the days when we don't have to cover another NIT game ever um, because to me that's depressing. That's not where you're supposed to be in March when you're a program like Michigan. Let's be clear, it happens to everybody with the exception of Michigan State, which has been to like twenty something in a row. Probably shouldn't have been there a few years ago, but that's a different argument. But when you're comparing yourself to that team down the road that's 60 miles away, you know, uh, that's not fair. So teams like, you know, Duke, you, North Carolina have had their issues, Kentucky with all their top recruiting classes. So um, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that, hey, this is a one year anomaly. But the last two years, there have been a lot of red flags. So this is going to be a big year for Juwan Howard. Yeah. My final thing is, uh, you know, you keep we keep getting the question. We talked about it a little bit too with Hunter Dickinson. I do wonder. Like, I think Caleb Love, Caleb Love was a good pickup for Michigan uh, as it is, but does that actually entice Hunter Dickinson to consider Michigan even even more? Um, he's boys with Armando Baycott. Armando Baycott's one of the guys that that came back, and, and obviously Caleb Love didn't at North Carolina. He could get all the intel he wants about playing in the system with him, that sort of thing. So I do wonder how much, while it was a, a good pickup, it would actually entice Hunter Dickinson. So I'll be interested to see what Hunter does. Um, and then the second thing is you already see it from fans because I'm on Pistons Twitter, as they call it. You know, you already see it from fans in the NBA, too, that are like, let's get Jawan Howard, let's get Jawan Howard. His phone is going to ring, I would assume, uh, if it hasn't already, from NBA teams as well. And, you know, it's going to every offseason, right? I mean, it's just kind of the way it is. He was he interviewed for the Pistons job back in 2018 and other jobs as well, Timberwolves being one of them. So I, I do wonder uh, how serious that type of interest is as well. So there is a lot to watch uh, in, in the coming weeks and in months in this offseason. Absolutely. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Like I said, uh, maybe Hunter will announce something on his podcast, Round Ball, coming up here. So. Yeah, Jawan Howard, Howard to the Pistons. Clayton Safey just planted that seed. Now uh, Hunter's going to take it and run with it and break the news on uh, the Round Ball cat, the podcast. So there you have it. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. I <laughs> would be conflicted as a Pistons fan, but we'll see. Uh, let's talk about, real quick, our friends over at uh, the Rogue Shop. As you guys know, they've been amazing sponsors of us since football season. Uh Richard and Charmaine are terrific people. We've talked about the pain creams. We've talked about the salves. We've talked about the gummies. If you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety, stress, any of it, a lot of anxiety this time of year, Uh, maybe less so now that the sun is out, but um, always stuff going on in the Wolverines world. So um, use promo code THEWOLVERINE for 10% off over at rogueshop.com. Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, and more. They handcraft all of their own stuff. They grow their own cannabis in their manufacturing facility, and all of their products are made with it. Their website has a 24-7 chat function where customers can ask anything. Uh, Their edibles are custom formulated with cannabis, vitamins, and plant materials. 
any sort of package that you order from them will come with a handwritten note. Uh, like I said, we've been swearing by the pay cr- pain creams. We've sworn by the gummies, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, everything they've sent along to us has been quality and, and it's kind of taken taking care of the issues we maybe have had on a personal level. So they're a true small business. Uh, they're in Big Ten country. They operate out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. They're disabled veteran-owned, black-owned, woman-owned. They're a small business. Visit Rogue Shop today at R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Use promo code Wolverine for 10% off. And as I do every week, I will give you to the floor to sing their praises with me. Today's the pet uh, the pet uh, products uh, for me. My dog is ten years old, and uh, and I gotta tell you, man, it, it helps. Uh, she's got some aches and pains, and uh, it hundred percent does help her. Uh, I wouldn't say it if it didn't, and uh, that is uh, absolutely true. So um, between that and the uh, the topicals, man, for me after the gym, uh, I swear by these guys. They're great people too. Yeah, don't have much that hasn't already been said. Great people, great product. And uh, again, I, I always kind of stump for the live chat feature on there because a lot of people, legalization over the recent years and, and uh, with just CBD getting more popular, uh, the live chat function, I mean, if you're getting into it, if you're switching over from a different company, uh, if you see new products you haven't seen before because Rogue has a ton of them, then you know just ask them and you will get uh, you know personally uh, have a conversation with them about uh, what fits your needs. So it's a fantastic site. I don't know what it says about me, but I'm eyeballing these these calming crunchies for the dogs, and I'm kind of getting a little hungry here. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, that's Rogue Shop, uh, RogueShop.com, promo code TheWolverine for 10% off. Shout out to Richard and Charmaine. All right, I have a football question I want to pose to you guys. I did not pose it to you before the show because one i forgot and two i think your reactions would be um would be better in the moment anyway so um spring football is wrapped up they wrapped up last monday spring game was i think nine days ago as we record here uh we've we've beaten all the storylines to death i think that now we're just in the mode of the work that these guys put in over the next few months uh, they have the spring trip coming up which we're planning on being uh, being on with them, we'll have some good stuff that comes out of that. But, uh, you know, all the talk this offseason has been this roster is loaded. They're deep at every single position. They've got star power at every single position. Um, I want to kind of go the other way here for just a second. And we'll see what comes of the discussion. We'll see how long it goes. I'm just kind of throwing it at the wall, to be honest with you. But if when you look at this football team and you look at offense, defense, coaching staff, recruiting, whatever it is. Obviously, the last two years have been as successful as any over the last few decades. Two Big Ten titles, two wins over Ohio State. So, and everything's on the up and up. It it seems like this is sustainable. We always said that, you know, if you get that one win over Ohio State that they did in 2021, you felt that it could be a springboard into something greater. And I feel like it has. Recruiting has picked up. Obviously, bigger expectations heading into this year. I say I set all of that up to say, when you diagnose this program right now, if there's one thing that gives you pause about them heading into this season, something you could change either from an administration standpoint, from a roster standpoint, from a depth chart standpoint, what are what is something that sticks out to you right now when you know we're ha- answering questions from people? We'll be putting the football preview together soon, uh, where we have to make our predictions for the season. 
know, what would be something that maybe gives you a little bit of pause and saying, oh, well, this team is going to win the Big Ten again. They're going to, you know, compete for win a national title. So uh, I'll throw it to you guys now. Anything that sticks out in your head in that regard? Yeah, you know what? I said that the one win was the first step over, but I wrote a column going into the season, uh, I think for the football preview last year, that if you really want to validate yourself, then you better win a second one. You got to win down in Columbus too. Otherwise, everybody's going to say that's a fluke. And you know, I mean, Ohio State families and, and players were saying that the one game in, in Ann Arbor was a fluke. And I said, OK, you want to prove it's not go down there and kick their ass in Columbus. And that guess what? It's exactly what they did. Now, one idiot Buckeye writer wrote that it was a fluke. I forget who it was, uh, which cracked me up. What was it? Twenty four to three in the second half, Clay, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, give me a break. So uh, to do it there now, you're seeing the the uptick in recruiting. And for 2024, they're starting to figure out how to do NIL without the support of the uh, administration, frankly. Uh, and I'll, I'll say that and, you know, people can disagree, but it's just a fact. So to me, it is now about strengthening your positions that you are not comfortable with. And, you know, that's what the Alabamas do, right? They'll go out and get somebody from the portal that will, okay, all of a sudden your question mark becomes a strength. To me, it's the kicking game is the big question mark because Jake Moody, we took, you know, people took him for granted. How good he was guys last year was unbelievable. He went out there in that Illinois game. That kick was money, the huge kick. And I was watching the Michigan Ohio state game last year again, because it's what I do. It's football porn, as, as people like to say, right? And how, how many times do you guys watch that? I mean, it's like unbelievable. Once a week. I can't help but watch the sta- the, uh, the highlights. The highlights, yeah. If they come up on my YouTube suggestion, which watching. they do a lot, you got to yeah. click on it. I mean, 100%. Oh, wait. I hadn't heard the Ohio State radio guy's voice with these highlights or Doug Karsh's voice. You know, I want to watch those. Yeah. So, Both of those are great watches. Yeah. They are great watches. But the kick, the first kick that he made, when they were down seven to nothing, okay. If he misses that kick, I think it was forty-nine yards. Ohio State's up seven nothing, has the ball at like the thirty-something yard line, thirty-five yard line, I think it is, and then you're really playing from behind. And um, so I thought that was just a huge kick, and we took that for granted. So I think you're going to see Michigan. Um, you know, I don't know that Tommy Doman. I don't know that that's his strength. And Adam Samaha, a true freshman. It's a question mark. You don't want your true freshman kicker coming in and having to, to, I mean, I think he's a great kicker, but I think that's where you look guys, maybe to the portal. And I think you'll see them do that. So, uh, and then a little bit of a little bit more in the secondary. I love the safeties. I love what Zeke Barry did, but um, you know, we've talked about, you know, who's that other corner going to be. I don't believe that Amorian Walker is the answer, at least in the first half of the season. So uh, I think you need some help there and you need to shore up the secondary a little bit as well. But other than that, I look everywhere and the two deep is just loaded on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with anything you just said. I, I would agree. Corner, um, kicker, I could definitely see bringing in a, a guy who could, you know, as a place kicker, you know, could really, uh, and who wouldn't want to play for Michigan after seeing what Jake right. Moody did just, you know, even some of the red zone struggles, you know, that's gotta be uh appetizing as a kicker half kidding there but um so yeah i could see something like that because those win you games right look at the illinois game look at the nebraska game the year before special teams wins you games um and and so you got to be really good there i'll say this and you you brought it up and it clicked for me chris as you said it um look at alabama and what they would do like they don't feel quite great about a position they got talent right five stars four stars all over 
But remember when they brought in Jameson Williams out of who's now our beloved Detroit Lion um, out of the portal from Ohio State, and he unfortunately went down in that national championship game. But he was fantastic for them, not only in that game, but all season long. Um, I'm not saying there's a Jameson uh, Williams out there for you to go get, but I do feel like the wide receiver position is lacking a little bit in terms of top-end talent. Where's that first round, second round, third round guy that they really haven't had uh, much of in recent years, but especially right now, um, a guy that you could kind of throw it up to and and have trust in that he's going to make that big play for you. So maybe it's that for me. And then another thing that I think is underrated, and Chris, you wrote about this earlier on in the offseason, is just you know maybe some people don't realize how big uh, of a role that Biff Pogey had on this staff as well. If I'm going to you know, uh, self-scout this, this Michigan program, I think things ran really smoothly from what we've heard behind the scenes over the last two seasons, and Biff was a big part of that, not only a bridge between Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the coaches, but Jim Harbaugh and the players, and just a guy that Jim Harbaugh trusts could push back on him. Uh, he trusted him enough to disagree with him and tell him about it, right? Uh, so that's important as well, but Man, there's so much to like that it feels like sometimes you're nitpicking with this. But, I mean, when the goals are that high, you know, the margins are really slim. Uh, and you got to be really good in all areas. So that those would be what I would point to. Yeah, for me, I think the wide receiver one is on point. Would it probably, would probably be my first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, they haven't had a, you know, a first-round skill player at that position since Braylon Edwards. So, like, for me, that's not even necessarily, like, I know a lot of fans get caught up in that. Oh, we got to recruit more five-star wide receivers. At this point, you know, I think a second or third round guy would be would make a huge difference. I mean, you mean to tell me if you don't drop Nico Collins on last year's team that that doesn't completely open up your offense? And that doesn't mean you have to throw the ball like like we've always said 35, 40 times a game. But to have that, you know, proven deep threat down the field, I have hopes that maybe a Darius Clemens can be that. Um, if not this year, maybe next year. You know, you hope that Cornelius Johnson or Roman Wilson can be a little more, um, a little more consistent in their production. But uh, I just, I feel like that position group. When you look at this roster, it kind of—I won't say it sticks out like a sore thumb. They're deep there. I think they have quality guys there. But I think on a lot of other teams, they're probably number two or number three wide receivers. So um, as this program moves more towards, you know. They want to be balanced. And now, you know, you have you have J.J. McCarthy. You'll have Jaden Davis. You could have, a you know, a Bryce Underwood or, you know, insert 2025, 2025 quarterback here. I think you got to do your part to support those guys a little bit more, too. And that's not just recruiting. That's player development. And that's something where uh, right now, to me, that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Because if you're able to do – if you're able to just have one guy like that, one star at wide receiver, with the way they control the line of scrimmage, the way they run the football – all of a sudden you're opening up a world of possibilities. I mean, look what a guy like Quentin Johnson did for TCU's offense last year. So, you know, that's, that's to me, the one that sticks out the other one to a lesser extent, because I really do think it's a one year thing uh, before, you know, we'll see what happens next year when Davis comes in, we'll see if JJ McCarthy sticks around, but uh, backup quarterback situation this year. I mean, if JJ McCarthy goes down, I don't know that you have a, you know, a Wilton state, type guy like 2015 at Minnesota where he kind of saves your ass. I don't know that they have someone who can kind of come in. I think they have guys that, you know, they're confident they could come in and run the offense. And when your offensive line and your backs are as good as they are, it takes a lot of pressure off those guys. But that's a concern to me right now. I think that Jack Tuttle can play a little bit. He's played some big 10 football. Uh, Davis Warren uh, is a guy that we know the staff likes. He was kind of an unheralded gem, but 
know, usually that backup quarterback spot has been occupied by a guy that maybe next year or two years down the road is someone that's starting for you. And I just, I don't know that that guy is on your roster right now. So that's, you know, I don't think they're going to dip into the transfer portal for that or anything. I think they're going to ride with the guys they have. But to me, when I look at where is a potential trip up spot at some point this year, I think it's, I think that would be it for me. I'd like to see Darius Clemens really, uh, come on, because we'd heard such great things about him when he first got here, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, where is he? You know, where, we, we didn't see him last year. Was hoping to see more of him in the spring game. Hey, maybe it's Peyton O'Leary, right? Coming out of nowhere, Cooper Cup, uh, light. <laughs> but we can laugh about it. But the guy, you know what? Productive. He was productive. And uh, and he took what was given to him, and he had a great spring game. I will not discount the possibility that he can – I don't think he's the next Nate Shanley. Let's put it that way. I think he could be more productive than that. As Jim Harbaugh always used to talk about Nate Shanley and, you know, then he got like two career catches or something like that. I do believe there's an opportunity for this kid uh, with his size and his right route running ability. And you saw it in the spring game um, to contribute. So no, I don't think he's a number one. And I can't tell you how many times I wrote that Ronnie Bell would be like a number three receiver on the better Michigan receiving cores that I've seen in my, you know, uh, 40 plus years, 40 years watching Michigan football. So um, I agree with you there. So that's a good observation, fellas. Yeah. And, and the difference between this Michigan team and some of those teams Lloyd Carr had was maybe the receiving core, especially at the end when you had like a guy like Greg Matthews uh, on, on their better teams was the th- third or fourth um, three. Yeah. So, I mean, like that's, that might be the difference with this team, but let's see what Roman Wilson does. I, I think he could be a guy that, uh, to me, this isn't a knock on Cornelius because he had a, you know, he's had a really good career here, solid, um, and then obviously made huge plays against Ohio State last year. To me, he's a little bit more of is what he is at this point. I think Roman Wilson, just because of his physical attributes, has a little bit more upside. But Anthony, on, on a lighter note, uh, when you were talking about the receivers as well, it kind of felt like you were about to say they're just missing an Andrew Anthony type because I know that is your guy and you picked him as. <laughs> player of the game for uh, just about every week last season. He's going to pick him for ECU, too. So, yeah, even though he's not here. Right. We're not, we're I'm not bringing that up on that Thursday. I'm telling at, you. at a certain point, it just became a bit. We're not, we're not doing bits this year. Um, I want to I win some like I did with staff picks. So, right. um, well, that's good. That went, that went well. Uh, yes, it did. Nice job. Appreciate you, fellas, for, for indulging me there. I want to move into questions now. Um, we got about maybe five to 10 minutes here left. So we can just kind of blow through these. A lot of it is stuff that we've addressed already. Uh, Boy Howdy was having some trouble with the super chat feature. So uh, we'll just go with his first. He did send in a dollar 99, but uh, the question came in saying uh, team chemistry seems to have been questionable at best over the past two teams. Any insights as to why recruiting, is it recruiting I or me players or coaching and leadership is issues once the players arrive. And of course that's in reference to, men's basketball. And I'll start with that. I think bit of column A, bit of column B, bit of column C, bit of column D. I think it's a little bit of everything. And that's where, you know, talent acquisition in the portal has been huge for them this year. Um, you know, if they're able to to retain these guys and maybe get another piece or two, I don't think they're done yet. Um, but it's what they need this off season is a hard look in the mirror at their processes, their identity. Are we going to, you know, last year they just kind of half-assed offense, half-assed defense, and what you got was the product that you saw. You know, are you going to go out and be what San Diego State was last year and just drag teams into the mud and use the Dan Campbell term? You know, bite kneecaps off and you 
know, kind of grind your way to wins? Or are you going to be what Kempom, you know, most of the time these national champions have a top 20, top 25 offense. Do you get back to that level of efficiency? Again, we're not going to know the answers to that um, until they play the games, but in terms of their, their insight or the, uh, the insight as to why things have been the way they are last two years, I just think nobody in that building has done a good enough job. And that sounds kind of cliche and simple, but um, you know, in all of the roles in that building, I think that uh, everyone's just left some meat on the bone to go back to the football term. I think when in the recruiting process, you know, it's when you go after the one and dones, uh, what are their goals? Number one. And if you look at Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston, it was very clear to me that Caleb Houston was so concerned or his people. And, you know, I know he wants to win, but about the next level that it's like he would get tight, you know, if he had an O for game or something like that. And I think it was more about, okay, boy, am I hurting my draft status or whatever? Um, and then they don't have t- – you don't get these guys for another year and they don't have a chance to develop either. Uh, so you're starting over from scratch the following year. With Jet Howard, uh, to me, overall, it was a net negative. And there were times and, – and you know what? Again, not ripping on the kid. He's a great kid. But it's got to be hard for Juwan Howard when your son is one of the hardest to reach when you're trying to coach this football t- or this basketball team. And there were times you could just see it on his face. I'm not I'm not saying that I knew what he was thinking, but I could kind of guess when, you know, you could see him seething a couple of times when a kid didn't black out or whatever. And um, to me, that was one dynamic that I think was uh, really underplayed this year was how much how hard it was for him to probably to coach him Uh, when your star players have to be your hardest workers and and you're most locked in and uh, he certainly was not so I think it was different things these last two years Uh, three years ago you had a guy like Franz Wagner you had Isaiah Livers um, you know guys that were that knew how to win that wanted to win that that was their first and their, their, their goal first and foremost so i think it starts in the recruiting process and, and finding that balance between guys who really really want to win understanding that their goals will be fulfilled within the framework of a winning team as, as john b lennigan always preached yeah i mean i, w- I was going to bring up the one and dones as well i was writing about this today mm-hmm. it's not out yet but the fact that there's been four one and dones for Michigan since Jamal Crawford in 2000. So four of them this century, three out of the four have come in the last two seasons. Um, and I'm not saying that those guys were to blame for everything. Right. And I, I don't even necessarily agree that there was, there were massive team chemistry issues. I think these were young teams. And I think that the chemistry just wasn't as good as it could have been. You know, it wasn't like it was, you know, terrible. And there was a huge culture culture issue here. Uh, but I just don't think it was as good as it could have been. And then I'm at Easter Mass over the weekend, and they there was some some reading where it was similar to something that Jim Harbaugh talks about as well. Uh, it's paying the price. Um, you know, it feels like guys like Kobe Bufkin are more of those guys that unpack their bags, to use a John Beeline term, paid the price of, hey, I'm going to go through the process here of improving, trying to win for Michigan, doing everything I, I can to get better. Uh, and then let the chips fall where they may. That's why I'm really happy for him and, and all the success he's going to have, not only in the draft with, with going in the first round, I think, uh, but you know after that is because he was all in here. He unpacked his bags. He was running through the doors to to play for Michigan. Um, I'm not saying some other guys, you know, weren't at all, but I don't think it was quite to. They didn't pay quite the price that you need to do uh, that you need to to win at a high level here. Um, so. 
Michigan's had a lot of success over the last 15 years, especially, and traditionally as a program, obviously going back decades. But in these last 15 specifically, I think it was more about um, the culture being extremely strong and guys wanting to be here, wanting to improve. And then, then they end up being a first-rounder uh, as opposed to coming in saying, I want to be a first-rounder. Um, and, and then, you know, if we win some games, that'll be nice too. Again, it, it's not all on that, but I do think when it comes to chemistry, I think some of it can be placed on that. A lot of new pieces uh, each season as well, I think, played a, a factor. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see with, the, with an older team next year how Jawan Howard's, uh, you know, chemistry and, and culture really, uh, you know, reshapes itself. I have a 999 Super Chat here from our pal Nick again. He says, we really need a wide receiver one to step up this year. I'm expecting Tyler Morris and Clemens uh, become reliable studs. Both of those guys have the talent to be 800 to 1,000 yard receivers. No excuse. Well, there are tangible excuses for that. The way that Michigan spreads the ball around. I mean, it was very rarely a lot of weeks your leading receiver would be a guy that had three. No excuse. No excuse, A.B. No excuse. Well, I won't make them. I'm just letting, you know, just parsing through it. Uh, I'm high on both of those guys. I think that if I had to handicap who we see more of this year, it's probably Tyler Morris, but I think both of them in time are going to be really good pieces for this offense. I hope so. Uh, again, Clemens, I need to see more of him and hear more about him uh, because right now um, it hasn't, he hasn't lived up to the hype and that's not fair to say after a, a freshman year when the hype is so high, but uh, I'll say this, Nick, I would bet heavily that, uh, that Cornelius Johnson and is probably going to be the guy that's targeted most. Uh, Jim Harbaugh loves playing his veterans when it comes to what the, the wide receiver position. You've seen it right over the years. You've seen those are the guys that get the targets. Ronnie Bell, um, Cornelius Johnson, I think Roman Wilson, you're going to see. I think it is much more likely that we see Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson be those 800 to 1,000 yard guys than Tyler Morris and Darius Clemens at this point. But just because of that, number one, they played a lot of football. Number two, um, I think they're, you know, uh, I don't know that they're ready yet. And Tyler Morris is still a small guy. Uh, he's going to add some strength, and he's going to be a great player here, I think. And Darius Clemens, I just haven't seen enough of. I don't go by recruiting rankings. I go by what I see and hear, you know, in practice and what we saw what we saw in the spring, um, you know, looking at him trying to get separation against some of the Michigan defensive backs and things like that. So, uh, to me, it's going to be the veterans. Yeah, I mean, those are the the safer bets. Jim Harbaugh does like to play as veteran wide receivers, but at the same time, there are guys sometimes like a Ronnie Bell who can get on the field as an underclassman because of just doing all the things right. You know, great route runner. Ronnie was uh, sneaky athletic um, and, and, you know, had good ball skills. I know he had issues with drops at times, but Tyler Morris, I feel like, you know, we brought up the comparison before and he brought it up as well or at least answered a question about it, how he kind of wants to serve that role. I think we're going to see probably – more Tyler Morris this year than Darius Clemens, just because I think the slot is a little bit more wide open. Roman Wilson was there last year, but uh, by all accounts, he can play outside as well. I think they're going to need him too. Um, I really wish we got to see Tyler Morris in the spring game because continue to hear great things about, you know, the way he's progressing. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm betting on Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson. I would love to see that uh, Tyler Morris or Darius Clemens break out. And I think Darius Clemens with his physical ability has really high upside, but, you know, you just got to see a little bit more out of him. So excited to see and hear about him as the offseason progresses because he could be a potential X factor. But, uh, yeah, both guys I think have have bright futures, but Tyler Morris this year would be my bet as as that long shot, um, but it's hard to bet against Roman or Cornelius. 
All right, last one here from our pal Shab fan, $5 super chat, and kind of a rapid-fire one. He says, football question, team captain predictions at this point. So, sounds like probably uh, Mike Sainer still and Chris Jenkins on defense. How about offense? J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum. I, I kind of think he nailed it. There's probably yeah. one more there somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm forget- if he's forgetting someone, if I'm forgetting someone, but sounds right to me. Nailed it. There's no way that Blake Corum's not a, a captain on this team. And I would be really surprised if J.J. weren't the way, the kind of leader that he's become as a junior. So Chris Jenkins to me is a lock. And I think Mikey Sainer is still obviously because he was last year. So uh, five bucks, man. I hope you didn't feel like you wasted it uh, by nailing it. We can give you a refund. You just have to write to Clay and he will send you a check. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, no, so Shab fam, I, I think you did. Nail it. I, a couple other names I would add, just so you get your money's worth, would maybe be a Zach Zenter, uh, a Trevor Keegan Fair. as well. I think especially Trevor Keegan coming back for his fifth year. Just the way he talks, that like he speaks Michigan football uh, as a language. Uh, maybe he can teach a course on it at the University of Michigan. But, uh, you know, just – and he was talking about the culture too after the spring game. Um, and just the way he was talking, he represents that team. So I think – uh, he's going to be a big leader for them, especially in the offensive line room. You like to have a captain up front, but Jenkins, the way everyone's talking about him, it, it seems like a, a shoe in. And then I think Ronnie Bell even said last year that since he was a returning captain, I don't even know if they voted on him. He was just automatically in there. Now, if you were turned out to be a bad apple, I don't think Jim Marbo would just give you captainship again. But uh, Mike Sainer still obviously is 100% a captain. And they got some really good leaders again. You got to see how the how everything shapes up again. But uh, by all accounts, this is going to be a really tight-knit, close group that is, also has a ton of talent. And when you have that combination, I think the sky's the limit. Yeah, bold prediction. Um, I don't think two of your captains will either transfer or be disgruntled by the end of the season this year. So um, we'll see what happens with that. Also, I'll, I'll throw a dark horse name in there, six-year guy. Keep an eye on Mike Barrett. I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised there either. So. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Chris, Clayton, thank you as always. Thank you to everyone who watched us live or if you listen to us after the fact, uh, either on YouTube or in the podcast feed. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, like the video, subscribe to our channel. Uh, things are slowing down, but we don't. It's always full speed or nothing here for us. Uh, so be sure to uh, give us a like. Subscribe to the YouTube. A lot of cool stuff coming in the pipeline uh, for this channel. Um yeah, uh, give us a, a good review on iTunes or Apple, whatever they call it now, wherever you listen to your shows. Uh, we appreciate your guys' support. Uh, Clayton and Chris, I appreciate uh, your time, as always. We'll be back uh, next Monday night for another edition at 6 p.m. here on the Wolverine YouTube channel. So uh, for my guys at the Wolverine, uh, thanks. We'll talk to you again soon.